Hello and welcome to the BSI Education Podcast with me, Matthew Childs. And me, Alan Sellers. Hello, Alan. How are you? I'm well, thank you. And how about you, Matthew? <laughs> I'm very good. Now, in these podcasts, our aim is to bring you the stories behind standards and standardisation. In this episode, we're here from two young engineers, Navdeep Mihey and Kat Rosier, and their journeys from standards users to standards makers. Now, both Kat and Navdeep work in the energy sector, and as they tell us, becoming standards makers has not only been something they've really enjoyed, it has had a hugely positive impact on their professional development and careers. I particularly enjoyed hearing about how the industry that they work in is considering the environmental impact of what it does and is trying to develop standards in that space. Now, we really enjoyed our conversation with, uh, with both Navdeep and Kat, and we hope you do too. So in this episode of the podcast, we are delighted to be joined by Kat Rosier. Hello, Kat. Hello, Matthew. And by Navdeep Mihai. Hello, Navdeep. Hello, Matthew. Kat, if we could start with you, can you tell us about your, your current job role and what it involves? I'm an electrical and electronic design engineer working for a company called Fiolia Nuclear Solutions. I effectively design robots for nuclear power plants, <laughs> um, especially within fusion and the, the fusion industry. It, it's quite an interesting thing. It's all the aspects of design from concept through to final design and manufacture um, and making sure that all of the requirements are met. <laughs> In terms of um, obviously working in the in the nuclear industry, I assume that standards are important for your for your particular job and for the organisation. Yes, um, hugely, because when you're thinking about nuclear, well, if we think about our Chernobyls, our Fukushima's, our Three Mile Islands, um, when nuclear goes wrong, it's obviously a very very big thing, and so you really have to consider every eventuality, best practice, and what we know is tried and tested and works. Um, standards are incredibly important from that perspective, so that you know that you've thought about every safety case, and you've done your hazards correctly, and you've done your risk mitigation correctly. Obviously, this is a, an education podcast. Now, I know you do, you're a, you're a, a big promoter of, of STEM, do sort of STEM outreach work, outreach work. You have to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, I'm very passionate about STEM outreach. I think it's really important where within engineering, you can change the world and we are kind of learning and seeing now how only having kind of one type of person um, really influences your design and you don't get the perspective of others so the more people that we can encourage into science and engineering and maths and technology um, the better so you know thinking about people from different um, sort of ethnic backgrounds different genders um, different countries um, and different economic groups it's just kind of getting their perspective and showing people that you can be a scientist you can be an amazing engineer you can change the world and have a fantastic career and lifestyle out of it. And Nav, how about you? What's your current job and what does it involve? Yes, so my current role is uh, is as a group leader within a government organization known as UK Atomic Energy Authority. So it's uh, similar to nuclear, but it's more safer. It's nuclear fusion, uh, the principle that we work on. And uh, we have a fusion machine, experiment machine in uh, Column Science Center known as Mass Upgrade. And uh, I'm responsible for the group which looks after the electronics, the control systems, the FPGAs, the protection system. And uh, that's when it becomes very, very important to consider standards in everything that we do. What is a day as a group leader like in your role? It starts with having a look into where are we in terms of the commissioning of the, of the machine and uh, 
where can we support our team? Where can I support my team to, to progress their task? My, so my role is to ensure that the, my group has everything that they need to progress on the commissioning of this machine. Uh, so it's more of the technical uh, liaison with, the, with my team, more of some of the approvals uh, of the technical documentation, uh, sometimes liaison with suppliers uh, to see, do we have exactly what we need? And uh, yeah, so that's, that's and, and working with senior management to, to ensure that they are on, they're, on, they're up to date with the status of the machine. Okay, so, so when you and your team are working on, on the commissioning of the machine, how do standards impact that? How, how are they used? Well, actually, it's a big part. Uh, I mean, more, we have UKAA has, has a good uh, set of internal documents, but all of those documents, or I can say they refer to BSI standards. Now, it could be for the electrical installation, it could be for bonding, it could be for the equipment purchase, or even for designing and building on-site equipment, which we do very often because of our requirement. Fusion is uh, new. It's uh, so the equipment that we need uh, in terms of the protection systems, they're not available in the market. So we have to design and build them on-site. And so that's when we have to refer to BS standards when we buy those equipments, even when we design those protection systems. Uh, other than that, like I mentioned that about the technical documentation, uh, all of those technical document, the templates are actually based on BSI standards. I think uh, if I can say that, that the standards, they, they do half of the work for us, to be honest. Uh, so we don't have to write new specifications. So it's already there as a good practice. And because it's an industrial standard, uh, we, we, can, we can liaise with anyone and then mention those standards and then we, we're all on the same page. I mean, we, all, we even follow like a set standards for PPE. Uh, that's, 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 uh, that's an example. Uh, so yes, the standards, they become like very integral part of our day-to-day -day activities. Very interesting. I, I want to just pick up on, on the uh, industry standard there. So using an industry standard, what, what does that mean in terms of how that standard was developed? Uh, so yes, it's, it's interesting. Now, as a standard maker, uh, I've got a bit of insight into it that uh, on some of the committees, uh, you can have uh, manufacturers as, uh, as uh, the majority, you can say. And then you can see sometimes those standards, they, they reflect what exactly they need. So, but if we have the end user's voice within standards making, which I present to you on, on my committees, then we have a balance of both for exactly what customer needs uh, in balance with what manufacturers prefer. So that's, that's the balance we have to uh, manage when we actually make those standards. Okay, so as industry comes together in a technical committee and um, represents manufacturers and end users and other stakeholders within that industry, you end up with an industry standard that saves you half roughly of the work that, that you and your team would have to do if you hadn't gained that standard from that work. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there was, a, there was an example of uh, recently I was working on a chart recorders uh, standard used in say power stations and I had experience in power stations and I could bring my expertise or my experience into that this is how we use it. And then that's why there was some uh, discussion on the time required. And then that's when I could actually input from, I, from the end user's voice 
into standards making and that was implemented. So it's benefiting all of the end users with one voice or, or collaborative voice from uh, list by listening by the chair and, and the uh, manufacturers. Thank you for that insight, Nav. Um, one thing that I'd like to ask you about is what's it like being a STEM ambassador? Do you, yes, I do volunteer for uh, as a judge or as a as a help uh, as offerer at his school challenges and uh, some competitions. You may have a big bank fair, which happens in UK every year. Uh, and uh, I think it, it's uh, take it as uh, as my duty as a chartered engineer to to outreach to schools uh, and and the children so that we can gain their interest into STEM subjects. And we need it. I think we desperately need it. Uh, and that's, I feel proud when I'm there. And then I think it could have benefited me when I was a kid to get uh, someone telling me the inside of what happens in the industry. People do uh, enjoy, or little people do enjoy and listening to the stories. When I tell that I'm working on this fusion machine where you can get the temperature in the machine, 10 times hotter than sun. That's, no one has heard of that because we know sun is the hottest thing. And then when we say that we can have hotter temperature than sun on earth, I get, I get people listening to me. And that's when I can tell them, what do I do? What does it involve about my team? What do they do? And uh, it, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's uh, like a more of a sharing. Yes, definitely I share my experience, but I do get their interest. And if even if I can get a couple uh, listening to me, getting into STEM subjects, um, uh, I, think I'm, I'm, I think I would say I'm, I'm doing a good job. Well, you certainly got me listening there. <laughs> so, Kat, Nabdi was explaining there some of the work that he does on, on some standards and committees that he's involved with. Can you tell us what standards you're working on and what that involves? So, the... I'm involved in a couple of different kind of projects across the IEC and through the BSI um, on various sizes, but the two main standards groups that I get involved in are AMT 10, um, which has the parallel of SEG 10 as well on, on the international level, which is to do with ethics in robotics. Um, that's something that's, you know, I think going forward as a society and, you know, globally as a human race is going to become more and more important when we think about robots being more integrated into our lives, especially in the care sector. Uh, I build robots for nuclear power plants where you don't actually want to send people into those environments because they're very, very dangerous or it's because it's you know a feat that can't be done by humans. And so the utilization of them is amazing in terms of the potential of what we can do. But whilst doing that, especially when we think about AI, and mapping and integrating it into things like the police service or the NHS. We need to be very, very conscious of the ethics side of that. So that's something that's very near and dear to my heart and how you can measure that <laughs> as well and um, measure it, you know, not just from a, say, British perspective, but, you know, thinking about other countries, societies, um, political structures throughout the world and, you know, what we can all agree on are ethics. Um, and things that we need to consider. So the other type of standards that I mainly focus on are on the nuclear side, which uh, the, the main group that I work on is NC9. And they it's quite interesting to see the industry come together because so they work on many, many different standards, um, some of which are revising them, some are writing it for new and emerging technology that no one's ever done before. And so, you know, it's kind of like a first time round. And when you get involved with standards on that level, it's very interesting. Um, 
so NC9, it's interesting to see the different stakeholders that they have within that group because a standard about, say, nuclear fuel for fission plants, the stakeholders you've got there, you've got, you know, sort of people that are responsible for disposing it. You've got people that are responsible for transporting it. You've got the people that are making it. You've got, you know, environmental um, activists or people who have interest within that from a government point of view or from a regulation point of view and then you've actually got the people that are going to be using it so there's all those different things and especially within nuclear we have to consider the entire life cycle of something it's not something of oh you know buy it it's a cheap part it's disposable and x y and z you have to think especially within the um, fission world that something will last for ten thousand years and you need to be conscious and make the right decision of that through every single thing and how future generations will deal with it. So it's interesting to see all these different people with all their individual concerns come together and have a discussion about what's the best way forward. How do we justify this in terms of what we're doing? So it's just on that's really interesting because what the what were your, your, your how did you start? What were your motivations for getting involved in this? Was it because you just felt it was obviously a really, really important uh, work to be involved with because of its impact on, on the world and about how we live or, or was it a, or was it something else what were your what were your motivations to get to get involved in standards making in the, in the first place um, so standards making it was quite an interesting one um, I'm quite new to nuclear I came from sort of a heavy industrial um, manufacturing and chemical background but in the past when I used standards they were like this mythical thing off in the background and you know I use them every day and so many people had such a fear about them in terms of not interpreting them correctly or justifying that they had complied or proving things or writing them into their design. And so I was very much, I'll now take the bull by the horns and actually read through them, make my notes, see how it complies with what I'm actually, or see how it applies to what I'm actually working on, know when I'm exempt and when I'm not exempt and make sure I have the most up-to-date information. So I use them for years and I, uh, well, <laughs> my company was a member of the BSI and we used to get the newsletters come in and I kind of got inspired to actually start looking at it because as a young person, I always thought that standards makers, they were <laughs> retired folk that had 50 years plus of experience within the industry and, you know, you sort of needed to kind of like, you know, already have the key to be able to get in and that it was such a difficult kind of world. When I saw on a BSI newsletter, a um, an advert for the BSI Young Professional Program, or the IEC Young Professional Program, uh, really quite interesting. But the IEC gave that kind of opportunity of like, see what we actually do. Come and get involved. We want more young people coming in. We want the next generation, and you know, to really promote this and get people involved in actually writing the standards themselves. Um, now. I want to come back and ask you in a second Kat, about your, about the commitment and about practically what it involves on, on a on a day to day basis to be a standards maker. But now, just to to you as well, obviously you've you've taken part in the IEC program too. Just from, from your perspective, again, uh, as Kat was talking there, sort of your motivations and your 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 you know how, how did you start? What why did you want to get involved in standards in the first place? Yeah, so I mean, as a, I was working as an engineer in the electrical power industry. And uh, then I used standards while writing specifications and uh, carrying out some, some supplies inspections. But I never knew, like Kat mentioned, that uh, we, it was in our heads that it's actually for older generation who has got years of experience. So I never knew that I could get involved in, in making them until I heard uh, uh, Ellen 
in uh, sharing his experience at, at uh, BSI Standards Conference at IET in London. I think it was 2017. Uh, and, uh, and after the conference, I had a chat with Alan and I asked, what, I mean, how can you be part of standards? Because the, the, the uh, think it's, it's more of a myth, I can say that it's for the older generation who has got 20, 30 years of experience. And then Alan mentioned that, no, it's, it's, and then he shared the information with me. And uh, that's, that's how I knew that I can be part of this. And uh, then I attended, uh, so attended the IEC uh, Young Professional Program. So it all started with knowing about the process of standards making, that uh, I had the curiosity that how can we, can we, how do the standards are being made? And then once I attended the general meeting as part of the Young Professional uh, Program in, uh, in Vladivostok, Russia, uh, so I gathered that uh, how important is it for the end users and the manufacturers to have their saying in the process. And uh, I mean, it was a good experience, uh, definitely. And then I witnessed some of the standards making meetings, uh, standards management board meeting, which was definitely an eye opener. And uh, then, I, then I reflected on myself because I've been working in, in industry. I knew on many of the equipment, uh, on the instrumentation equipment. And uh, I thought, I mean, I felt that I can definitely help BSI and IEC on making those standards. And that's how I got involved after the Young Professional Program and got involved with, uh, with GEL65, which is a committee for measurement and control uh, for process uh, equipment. And that's, that's how I got involved into it. And then I'm a member of, I do represent uh, UK at a working group uh, within, within the committee. But you both uh, very nice, very beautifully explained, I think, the, the, the importance of of being involved in standards to make to make a difference to the sectors in which you're working and, and sort of and, and also to the planet as well so these these wide these wider issues but in terms of the commitment obviously it's another thing for you to do and another part of your or job or, or even outside of your job so could you now could you tell us about the sort of the the practical commitment you have to make to becoming a standards maker what how, what sort of time does it involve over over 12 months for example yeah well uh, so as a member of UK National Standards Body, that's BSI. So I represent on uh, one of IEC working group. So BSC committee uh, members meet twice a year in London. Uh, some people meet uh, in person and some people on Zoom, for example. And then as an IEC working group, uh, we meet again twice a year uh, for three days, that is. Uh, and uh, on both these, like I said, both these sessions, people can be on their own site or could be could uh, uh, could attend via Zoom. and. Uh, in addition to that, that's the on-site or physical meetings. Uh, in addition to that, I receive correspondence from a committee. And uh, so I participate. It's entirely up to me how much I want to participate uh, using my knowledge and experience uh, into those discussions, into those comments, into those votings. So that's, that's the commitment, uh, which, which in terms of uh, the numbers, like I said, for meetings is twice a year for each. But uh, the hours, you can say, if you can spend a couple of hours in a week, I think that will be more than enough to uh, to go through your weekly uh, correspondence. It also depends on how much, how many standards are you involved in. So for me, that's that's how much I wait and how much I uh, spend on it. And Kat, is that, is that a similar, similar experience to, uh, that you have? Uh, definitely, yeah. Um, so as it is a voluntary thing, it's how much effort and time you want to put into it from a personal perspective some people put in you know loads of hours some people kind of put what they can when they can and committees are 
as a whole really flexible with that so you know if you have a busy time period at work and so you kind of need to be a bit more quiet um they're very respectful of that and sometimes so for people like myself because my main job isn't within standards it's a supplement to my job um a lot of committees are very good at sort of saying yeah you can zoom into a meeting you don't have to come down to London because you know for those of us that aren't based near to London it can be quite difficult to um, kind of pop in for a, a morning meeting a morning meeting may actually involve you know five or six hours of travel and they're very respectful of that in terms of having them remotely and I yeah I try and make some I'm not able to go to um, international ones so I do more of the national ones and just Skype in to the international ones that may change in the future with support from work and it is very good in that sense and yeah it's kind of like if in terms of going through all, all the correspondence so the work that other people have done and projects that you're working on it's you put in what you want to and but I would say that the more you put in the more you get out I think yes I will, I will echo Kat here that uh, I mean this is the beauty of being involved in standards that uh, uh, you, you represent yourself your organization or your institute and it's entirely dependent on uh, individuals time and and commitment uh, I mean BSI would like as much as participation as possible but uh, the committee they appreciates if you want to focus on one working group uh, it's completely acceptable and appreciated you uh, mentioned uh, now that you you went to Vladivostok as part of your um, when you participated in the IEC program. And Kat, you went to Bazan, I think. Yes. Just yes. just just whether that whether you know the the attraction of was was international travel and international uh, cooperation and, and networking was that again part of the attraction for getting involved in standards making? Kat, maybe ask you you first. Well, yeah, no, I think it was quite an interesting one because, yeah, sort of using um, British standards when, as I was doing kind of like back in heavy industry and uh, sort of using them as a user as opposed to as a standards writer, you don't understand the scale of the international work that actually goes on. And in terms of, you know, so many people refer to them as being British standards and you go, it's not actually a British standard, it's an international standard or it's a Senelec standard. And it's, you know, it does exist outside of Britain. And it was quite amazing because in my jobs, I'd done quite a bit of traveling in terms of commissioning work, installation work and servicing, and that includes international uh, travel. And so I already had quite a good idea of working with other cultures and, you know, working in France for a couple of months and things like that, or, you know, going off to Spain or Finland or wherever it was. And I really enjoyed that because it was interesting to see how people did things differently. And you really actually get a feel for that in terms of, uh, like, <laughs> I can recall working in France for a couple of months and spending time with, you know, young graduates and things like that. And it was very interesting to actually get their perspective on engineering. And it was actually a lot more different than I would have thought. But it was interesting that we had to kind of like work out where each other was and work together for a solution to get a machine commissioned. So a country that was on the top of my list of places to go. It wasn't like I, I was dying to get there. Um, but I thought, well, wow, it's a, it's a really good opportunity from a personal point of view. And I was actually really amazed to see South Korea. Um, I thought it was an amazing country. Um, I uh, did struggle a little bit with the food. I'm allergic to shellfish um, but it was really quite interesting to see it and when you're actually there as well you're experiencing all the different cultures so on the young professional program you know there's um, people from 
pretty much every continent in the world. So you can have a conversation with, you know, sort of people who work in America and sort of Africa and Asia, and you're all just kind of like talking about the same thing, which is really interesting. So <laughs> I really, really like that multicultural perspective of it. And those international connections and, and networks now, have you, have, you, have you maintained those? Have you, have you built on those after your, your Vladivostok experience? Yes, yeah, definitely. Uh, so I'm in touch with, uh, with many of uh, my fellow young professionals from there. Uh, we do, most of the time, we do touch base on LinkedIn. Uh, so we get to see what they have been doing. And uh, it, it's amazing stuff. Some of them are taking the young professional and standards making to their universities which is amazing to see and uh, what they have been achieving working on different standards uh, working on uh, the thing main thing is working on the the uh, the goals which which uh, UN has produced on the SDGs so uh, how they are actually trying to fulfill those goals using their experience uh, working with the with standards so yes definitely in touch with the, in touch with the it's a great experience how did you find going to Vladivostok? <laughs> it was amazing, uh, amazing. I mean, I was uh, one of three who was selected uh, under this uh, young professional program in 2017. And uh, it started with, like I said, about uh, being curious about on, of knowing the process of standards making. And it came fully funded trip by BSI and, and the partner. So yes, why not? So, uh, but I ended up getting the bigger picture of, of standards making and uh, totally gained my interest. Uh, like I said, we had other young professionals. It was from, I think, 70 different countries and we had over 200 young professionals. So you can imagine uh, that week we had, we collaborated, we worked together with each other, we presented to IEC chair and, uh, and other uh, exec members. So it was a brilliant experience. I think uh, it, it's, uh, it's a unique experience. I don't think I will get similar experience again. Uh, but uh, looking at the cultural point of view, it was, uh, it was very good. Uh, I can't find the exact words how to describe it because definitely we get to see new culture. We, get, uh, we were uh, taken to, the, uh, to some shows uh, in the evenings. We, on one of the days, we went to the safari park. We had uh, quite a good experience there. And I uh, think the, there were some, uh, some other challenges. I think personal challenges for me was because I'm vegetarian. And uh, so that was a challenge for me, which, again, that's, that's something uh, I learned. And, uh, and also knowing about the emergency procedures. Uh, so we were in a hotel. I can share an example. We were in a hotel and uh, we were looking, just settling in, the hotel, in our hotel room. And then we found uh, a bag. With a with a mask, gas mask, and a rope, and uh, that was the actual the emergency exit procedure or exit plan. That uh, yeah, in case you hear this alarm, then uh, get this mask on, and then uh, if you want to get out of the building, you can't get off the door. Then yeah, here is a rope. So that was a totally different experience. It was funny to watch, but it, it's uh, amazing to see that how people. Uh, how it is being done in different parts of the world. So normally in a hotel bedroom, you might find a Gideon Bible, but you found a gas mask <laughs> and a rope. <laughs> yes. You've both spoken about how the cultures that you experienced in those different parts of the world and internationally have challenged you and, and caused you to think in different ways and reevaluate how you see the world. I was wondering how that has impacted your careers, and in particular, what's changed since you started making standards? Yes, uh, the impact on Curly. I think I can I can proudly say that uh, the experience I gained uh, working within standards it uh, played a very big role 
for me in achieving a chartered engineering status uh, because of the because I've worked with experts, technical experts, nationally, internationally, it definitely you gain more technical knowledge, you get better. And also it's these soft skills that you learn how to deal with different cultural people, uh, how to deal with uh, challenging environments, how to deal with some where you can't find majority. And there, all of these, it gets uh, built into your personality and use it at work and develops the, at the overall personality, I will say. Uh, so yeah, definitely played a big role in, in, so I shared some examples in my chartered engineering interview uh, about, uh, about BSI standards making process. And also it, uh, the, uh, what, the time that you spend on standards making, uh, that's part of your CPD hours. And uh, you, definitely that accumulates your hours that you need to maintain for your professional development. And uh, think you can't get better than that you are helping a society you're working on something you are interested in and you're accumulating hours for your professional development so definitely it has impact affected my uh, my career in a very big positive way what have your colleagues uh, made of it have they commented at all you definitely get a sense of respect uh, definitely because so you are from your knowledge you are helping the wider society the overall i would say in terms of my engineering experience I'm, I'm helping the industry as much as i can do so definitely you gain that respect uh, from your from your colleagues and uh, in terms of the organizations i will say the the ukaa they support professional development and they support standards uh, making processes so they they do encourage people to like myself to to go on to the standards making meetings and to participate because as a as a fusion experiment industry uh, we, we are working on we will have a fusion power generating machine soon so we want to start working on those standards now so that when we come to the point where we have the the machine ready we already have the standards in the market for manufacturers to follow same question for you Kat how's being involved with standards and the journey that you've had impacted your career? Uh, well, Alan, it, it's it's really had a, a very, very positive impact um, on my career. The, the BSI offer quite a few free training courses um, in sort of soft skills and things like that, and those are all for committee members. But it's also in terms of the development of your soft skills through the BSI, well, end up doing things like this, um, uh, presenting quite a bit and having meetings, um, sort of working on conflict resolution and things like that because you almost must you always must come to a consensus uh, in a group so you get a lot of experience within the soft skills you're not just looking at a circuit board with a couple of resistors you're actually getting out there and managing your team and supporting people and it, there's a lot of that that it helps to develop to actually have that in a similar way that doing stem outreach does and uh, i really enjoyed that it's been very beneficial in terms of like my current employer, they are yeah that they are very supportive of it as an idea because as a small and growing company, I think standards were yes quite mythical to them, and especially with younger graduates and things like that, it's people are very interested in it in terms of can't understand standards can't understand standard language and you know gets all the scope and you know sort of knows how to read them knows how to process them in a very formulaic way uh, which you just gain with time and that's seen as a huge benefit for the team my boss I mean he's been using 
sort of nuclear and electrical safety standards for years. And he, um, I remember when he kind of like first met me, he was very much so, I've just never met a committee member. And uh, he kind of said like, you know, I just thought they, you know, that they didn't exist. <laughs> and uh, he was really interested to actually kind of sort of see what I was doing with standards and actually get that involvement. And it's across discipline now in terms of, I'm a bit of an expert within the company on standards. So I'll have systems engineers, or mechanical engineers, mechatronic, and of course your software and your electrical kind of coming to me to go, Kat, how do I word this? You know, how do I show compliance with this? How do I test this? How do I do this? And it's quite nice to be able to, you know, help your company move and evolve and really get the most out of standards. So Kat, just actually just listening to, to, to both of you uh, uh, speak there, obviously you're helping to break down, down the barriers of what we uh, what people perceive standards makers to be and what standards making to be. So I just wonder, as a, as a final question, what advice you'd give others or maybe give advice to your younger self about getting involved in standards? What would you, what would you say to your younger self? I think the advice I can give to younger myself or to other people is that uh, I will encourage people to, to reflect on how much we actually use standards, how much we are surrounded by standards and we use them without even knowing. And uh, Based on our experiences, what we do, uh, I think we, what I can do is we should actually check on BSI website. How can we, from our experience, help shape standards? Uh, it could be from your definitely uh, your technical experience, or it could be I can I can uh, ask my fellow motorbike riders that uh, you wear the, the armor uh, jackets, and if you you can actually participate in standards making for those as well. So it is not just the work, you are the end user. Uh, you may be part of some of the uh, associations. So you can have your voice heard in first place where we actually define those standards. And uh, the employees are, are, are definitely, like uh, Kat did mention about the robotic maintenance, the new technology is evolving so fast. It, it's, it's beyond our imagination and and. We did not predict that it's going to evolve at a such speed. So it's very important that we encourage our young professionals to get part in the standards making process now because they are tuned to work on those machines, work on those environments, on robots. I think it's very important that we get their voice heard now, get them involved in standards making now, uh, and rather than putting any delay further. So yeah, my encouragement is to employees and everyone to, to see how they can participate in the standards making based on their experience, based on their knowledge, expertise, and so on. And how about you, Kat? I think that in terms of, you know, with my younger self, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure really what I would say, but you got involved at exactly the right time. <laughs> I think that uh, I, I had a job for quite a few years before I got involved. And so it was nice to have that basis and that standing and I didn't leave it too long. And I know that a lot of other people do kind of worry about, you know, that, that they put it off, they put it off, they put it off. And then it's kind of, it, it's never too late and it's never too early. Um, go when it's right for you. But, you know, you gain so much from it from a personal development point of view, from putting stuff back as well and meeting other professionals. It's always good to meet other professionals from different industries or similar industries and have that comparison between the two of you. So it's all three of you. How many of you that there are in a room? And with this new and emerging technology and yeah, robotics <laughs> being an example, it's the young engineers and scientists that we have and people that we have working on them today. They'll be working on them in the future. So why not be involved from the start? 
why why kind of get on when it, they've already been written it's like help us write them and be part of that community and let's sort of work on technology together in terms of employers the, the biggest thing that i would kind of say to employers is do not view standards as being something that hinders design and innovation it in no way inhibits um, design and innovation it is guidance and it is a tool and you just need to learn how to use that tool and get the most out of it. It's not something that is mandatory. It is something that is literally there to help you. So accept that help. And, you know, that will be the best thing in terms of getting your designs to really go well and, you know, marketing yourself as a company. Kat, I think you've uh, you introduced a, an, a, an idea for a future a podcast there around the relationship between standards and, and innovation and design. So thank you for that. I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> So before we finish, I just want to say that for more information on the themes raised in this episode, go to www.bsigroup.com forward slash education. You can also find links in the episode notes. Do please rate and review this episode wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any ideas for future podcasts, then please email them to education at bsigroup.com. So all that remains for me to say is thank you, Kat. Thank you very much, Matthew. It's been lovely to spend time with you. And thank you, Navdeep. Thank you very much both. And uh, yeah, it's been a great experience. And thank you, Alan. Thank you. And to thank you for listening.